Well, it is so good uh, to be together with you in the room and with those online. We're so grateful to join you wherever you are, and we get to share this moment with you. And again, if you're new with us, whether you're online or in the room, we do have a gift for you. And if you're online, they're posting a link right now called a Connect Card link. And if you'll just click that button and let us know that this is your first time with us, we'd love to send you a gift for being, uh, letting us share this time with you. And if you're new in the room, we have a gift for you. So at the end of the service, just a reminder, go to the host at the back of the table, and they would love to give you a gift for being with us today. Hey, Westside, let's let everyone that's online and those that are new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to share this moment with them. Will you do that? Well, um, I coach my son's baseball team. And uh, there are two things that I teach them because I'm not a great baseball coach, just for the record. I'm not a great baseball coach, but I love to invest in these boys. I love to prepare them and help them become better men. And that's one of the opportunities I feel like we get to as coaches invest in their lives. And two things that I tell our team, and it's, I repeat this, we talk about it at the beginning of the practice. We talk about this at the end of practice. We talk about the beginning game and after the game. I'll tell them, you can't control everything. You can't control everything, but you have two choices and there are two choices that you have control of over every moment of every day and everything, every day you live. And I'll ask them, so what are those two choices? And they'll say effort and attitude. And I'll ask them, so how are you going to choose your effort? And we talk about that and they, they say, we're going to do our best. They say it as a team. I go, how are you going to choose your effort? I mean, your attitude. And then they're going to say, we're going to show respect. These two choices, they can't determine the circumstances around them, but they can choose these two things at all times. They can't choose what happens to them. They can't choose the outcome of their game, but they can choose these two things, their effort and their attitude at all times. And I reinforce this some, something else with them. I reinforce that every day they are writing a story with the choices they make. And at the end of the day, the choices they make will tell a story. And at the end of their life, the choices they make will tell a story. So they need to decide with every choice what story they want to tell. Because each choice you make becomes a part of your story. And this isn't just true of my son's baseball team. This isn't just true of our kids, which this is something we've taught our kids. This isn't true of just your kids. This is true about you, and this is true about me. Every choice you and I make becomes a part of our story. So here's the good news. From this moment on, you get to decide what story you're going to tell at the end of your day or at the end of your life. And from this moment on, you get to decide what story you're going to tell. And not just that, you're going to decide through the choices you make what story gets told about you. But more on that here in a little bit. We've been in this series called God's Will, No Regrets. And this is a series big idea that we've been looking at over the last several years. Uh, years. I did that in the earlier service. Not last several years, last several day, weeks. Last couple of days have felt like years. <laughs> it's been a long weekend for me. Uh, here's a serious big idea. When I follow God's will, I will have no regrets. When you follow God's will, you will have no regrets. Now, I'm not talking about the regrets like the little regrets, like the regret I have right now that I did not mow my yard this week. That's a true story. I'm not talking about those regrets. I'm talking about the big regrets, the regrets that have the consequences that permanently alter our story. The, the I should have known better moments or I wish I would have known moments, the ones that have those altering types of decisions. Those are the regrets that we, in that moment, we wish we had chose something different. Those are the choices. Those are the moments. Those are regrets that, that 
God's will keeps us from having. And so in this, following God's will keeps us from making these foolish decisions that we end up regret having. This is what Paul would lead a church in Ephesus to say. He would say, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And not just understand it as in, hey, here's God's word, will understand why this is God's will. Because you often will not understand why this is God's will for you. This is not that type of an understand. This is an understand that's almost like a submission to understand what the Lord's will, stand under the Lord's will for you. Because when you don't understand it, you still need to be submitted to it. When you don't, uh, you need to stand under it even when you don't understand why. And that's a difficult place to be. And that is counterintuitive to what we think, isn't it? We want to understand why before we walk in obedience. We want to understand why before we step out in faith. We want to do that. But God's will is that you stand under his will and then one day you're going to look in the rearview mirror of your life and you're going to understand why. And in that moment, you'll understand. But it changes the way you think. You have to think differently about this. And this is what Paul would tell the church in Rome. He would say this in, in his letter to the Roman church. He would say this in chapter 12, verses 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And how did he say be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to think differently. You got to renew your mind. This is why this truth of Scripture is so powerful in our life because you need to renew your mind according to what's true, and God is truth, and His Word is truth. And you need to renew your mind according to that. Then, after you renew your mind to the gospel of Jesus and His mercy for you, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For you. See, God's will for you is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. But it's your responsibility to discover it. It's your responsibility to renew your mind with his truth so you can uh, approve of it, understand it, and stand under it, even when you don't know why. And it comes as you change how you think. See, changing how we think will impact the decisions we make and the actions that we take. And changing how you think, to changing the decisions you make and the action you take, that will change the story that you tell. That will determine the story that is also told about you. After y'all, you and I know something about our story. See, your story just doesn't impact you. Your story impacts others. See, the personal decisions that we make and the private actions we take, they impact the people around us and those who come after us. Your personal decisions have public ramifications. You may say, no, it's my decision. It only affects me. But that is not true. You may want that to be true. You may intend for that to be true, but that is not really what is true. You can try to justify that all you want, but that just simply ain't the case. <laughs> the decisions you make and the actions you take impact you, but they impact your spouse, they impact your kids, and they will even impact the generations after you. I know the decisions my grandparents made have it have it had an impact directly and indirectly in my life. Indirectly, they affected the, parent, my, the, the choices and the decisions my parents made. And the, parents, and the choices that my parents made, and the choices your parents made, have directly or indirectly 
influenced you. And they've had a part of your story. And their decisions, their decisions of the, my parents in the previous generations have impacted and become a part of my personal story. And the same is going to go for the decisions that you make. Now, there's a story in Genesis that I think shares this point better than I could ever share this point. And you may know it of, as Joseph in the story of uh, uh, Joseph in the coat of many colors. I like to call it Joseph in the story of his jealous brothers. You, it starts in, um, in, in Genesis chapter 37. Joseph was the younger brother of 10 older brothers. He was the youngest of all of them. His dad, Jacob, also named Israel, is the central figure in the book of Genesis. He is the central figure and the main character in this narrative that tells us uh, about the origin of Israel and the origin of Jacob. And Joseph is central in this. And this in the Genesis account, uh, the writer tells us why Joseph's brothers were so jealous of him. And in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 27, we read that now Israel, or also Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. So here's a reason for the jealousy. Right out the bat, he, he, Jacob had a favorite. Now, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, like we learned last week, that we need to be honest with ourselves. See, God's will for you is to live in truth. And so we need to be honest with ourselves, really be honest with ourselves. That's why we asked that question last week. Am I being honest with myself, really? <laughs> and if we're being honest with ourselves, um, it may be in us to be jealous of those who are favorites. It may be jealous of, maybe in us to get jealous of others, of the things they have that we want, we think we deserve. So Joseph's brothers were jealous. And here's the reason, because he had been born to Jacob in Jacob's old age, and Jacob had made an ornate road for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph has a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Maybe it was an immature move on Joseph's part to share this dream with his brothers or his parents. But here's the, jo the dream Joseph had. If you could, would continue to read, you'd find out that Joseph's dream was that one day his parents and his brothers would bow down to him. He would have a place of power over them. Now, one of the things I've observed, uh, and this is only observation, this is anecdotal, so I have no studies, no backup, but this is just personal observation, that there are three things that have made me jealous and I think make a lot of people jealous. Three things that we get jealous of. We get jealous of, of, of when people have prestige or popularity um, that we want or think we deserve. We get jealous when people have possessions that we want or we think we deserve that we don't have. And we get, we get jealous of when someone has power and we think that we deserve or should have that power. And it's something we don't have. And in this story, Joseph's story has every one of these elements. And in the story, we read about what happens. So Joseph's brothers, extremely jealous. And one day, Jacob sends Joseph to go check in on his brothers to see how they're doing and caring for the sheep. So Jacob sends Joseph to do a checkup and check in on them as they watch their flocks in the fields. This, however, wasn't the first time Joseph was sent to do this. In fact, the, the, in the first account, Joseph tattled on his brothers for the che when he checked in on them and told his dad that, they, that the report wasn't doing so well. So you can imagine the, that when his brothers saw Joseph coming this time, 
They weren't too happy to see Joseph cresting that hill coming into their territory where they were shepherding their flocks. After all, this time, Joseph just shared a dream with them that really made them jealous. And when they see Joseph off in the distance, they create a plot, an unfortunate plot. They make a choice and they make a decision to create a plot to kill Joseph. And you thought your family was crazy. And in this moment, to Joseph's benefit, there's a firstborn. How many firstborns are in the room? I'm one of them, so raise your hand with me. Yeah, we raise our hands proud. We take responsibility, don't we? I mean, yeah, if I'm coming to you when we got to get something done. Well, Reuben is the firstborn, and Reuben understands this plot, and so he convinces his brothers, hey, let's not kill Joseph. Let's, let's put him in a dry well or a dry cistern. And so he convinces his brothers to put Joseph in the well instead. And it's a very noble thing. The Genesis writer tells us that Reuben's intentions was that he went, would come back to the well when the brothers weren't around. He would rescue Joseph, carrying him back to his dad and safely return him. His, his intentions were noble. But however, Judah gets involved with his brothers. And while Reuben's gone, Judah convinces his brothers to sell Joseph as a slave to slave traders. And when Reuben returns, Joseph is already sold and gone. And now they have a choice. They can either fess up, go find him, pay back, or they can cover up their story and lie about it. And so they chose the latter. They take Joseph's coat, and in a cover-up story, they make it look like Joseph was killed by a wild animal, and they lied to their father about Joseph. Jacob's heart, Joseph's father, is broken. And Jacob's sons now are living in a lie that they chose to live in. Because now they're, they have to live their life covering up and living a lie. Now I wonder something. I wonder if they would have chosen something different if they would have felt something different. Because when you live a lie, you really don't live. When you live in a lie, you're always trying to cover something up. You're working harder. It's actually more turmoil to live in a lie. And I wonder if Reuben would have stepped up or Judah would have stepped up in that moment. And if one of them would have stood up and said, hey, is this really the story we want to tell? Is this really, do we want to live our lives covering up a lie continually? Do we want to do this? Is this what we want to do? Is this how we want to spend our life? And, and instead of conspiring how they can cover up the guilt of murder, what if Reuben would have asked his brothers a simple question? Is this the story we want to tell? Or if Judah would have stepped up and asked the question, is this the story that I want to tell? Is this the story that I want to live? And do I want to end up having to cover up. That we lied to us, that we lived a lie thinking that we could do this. Is that the pressure we want to put ourselves under? Well, that's what they chose. Joseph is sold, but ends up becoming a slave to Potiphar, who is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And in this, Joseph, however, didn't allow this to affect his attitude. <laughs> Remarkably, this didn't affect Joseph's desire to serve God or even the Lord, even though this was far from the dream that he had a while back. And scripture 
tells us that he becomes the best worker in Potiphar's house. And and he describes it this way, that the scripture says that the Lord was with Joseph and prospered Joseph. See, Joseph gains Potiphar's trust. Potiphar puts everything in his house under Joseph's care. And then the plot gets spicy. In Genesis chapter 39, we read in verse 6, Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now this 19-year-old young man is in a very intriguing situation. A very intriguing situation. He's actually in a lose-lose situation. See, the more, it's more than, it's not just a matter of uh, adultery or morality. This is a life or death matter. Actually, it's a death or death matter. He chooses option A, which is a very, you know, many people would say in culture today even would say, man, yeah, do it. And if he were to sleep with his uh, master's wife, Potiphar would find out likely and Potiphar would have Joseph killed out of his jealousy. Or option B, he refuses to sleep with her and she out of her anger, because she's now not going to get what she wants out of this, she gets revenge on Joseph And because of her power, has Joseph killed. It's a lose-lose situation for him. And in verse 8, we read what he says. But he refused. How did he have the resolve to do this? As a 19-year-old man, how did he have the resolve to do this? Well, I believe that Joseph decided ahead of time what story he was going to live. He decided ahead of time what story he wanted to tell. And we can read this story that Joseph, he actually describes the story he wants to tell. As he shares this with Potiphar's wife, this is what he says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. He explains the situation. He knows full well what the situation is. And here, Joseph has a choice. This is a deciding moment. Two options. Narrative option number one, Hebrew slave, Hebrew boy, sold as a slave. This Hebrew slave is given a dream opportunity that any slave would love to have. He is now in charge of Potiphar's house. Hebrew slave honors God and honors Potiphar. Option number two. Hebrew boy is sold as a slave. Hebrew slave is given the dream opportunity in Potiphar's house. This Hebrew slave takes advantage of Potiphar's Trust dishonors God and dishonors Potiphar. And we read the choice that that Joseph decides right here when he says this. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? How could I do such a dishonoring thing against God? And sleep with you. See, this is not the story that I'm deciding to live. 
This is not the story that I choose to live. And Joseph chose in this moment to honor God, to honor Potiphar. And this was the story Joseph chose to live in this decision. In verse 10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Now, this wasn't a one-time thing. Day after day, he would, she would tempt Joseph. And day after day, he would refuse her, even to the place that he created distance that he wouldn't even be in the same room with her. He didn't allow himself to even get close to her. And this humiliated her. This humiliated Potiphar's wife, who was powerful and likely very beautiful. In her jealousy, she uses her power to destroy this Hebrew slave over whom she had no power. And that's the danger of jealousy. See, when we are jealous of what we cannot have, often we can seek to destroy who has what we want or wish we could have. And so in this moment, she lies to her husband, Potiphar, and accuses Joseph of raping her. Potiphar, interestingly enough, doesn't uh, kill Joseph. Actually, Potiphar just puts him in prison. And we read about this in, in verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, look at this. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so what did the prison warden do? He put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Joseph doesn't just write this off and say, well, it's no, no use. Joseph continues to choose his effort, do what is honoring to God, work his best. He also can choose his, his attitude. And it, just like he did in Potiphar's house. And most of us know how Joseph's story ends up. I mean, you might not even be a Bible reader, but you know how the story of Joseph ends up. But you want to know something? Joseph had no clue. Joseph had no clue about how his story would turn out. He did not know the outcome of this situation. He didn't know the outcome of the circumstances he won. Yet in not knowing and not understanding, God, why, are you, why am I even here? He had no clue. Yet he chose to honor God in all his thoughts, in all his words, in all his actions. And we read that the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. See, Joseph honored God when he had every reason not to. Joseph didn't expect this to be this story. I mean, he had a dream that said the circumstances would be different. However, this didn't stop him. The un, uh, insurmountable circumstances or the unexpected, unfortunate circumstances did not stop him from controlling his effort and his attitude. And he continued to honor God. And God honored Joseph. See, one choice at a time, Joseph continued to write the story that you and I read today. How inspiring is that? How, I mean, these, this is a story worth sharing. These are the stories we love to share. These are the stories we love to, to see come across and hear people talk about the noble that in the face of, of evil, in the face of injustice, someone does the right thing, the God-honoring thing. These are the things that stand out. 
in a culture that doesn't behave that way. This is where the ones do the honorable in the face of the insurmountable circumstances. And they still choose to honor God, even though things don't go well for them. Now back to Joseph. Eight years go by. Not eight days. Not eight weeks. Eight long years. In a matter of chapters that you read and verses represent eight years of his life. And now two prestigious prisoners are under his care. They're prestigious because one was a cupbearer to King Pharaoh and the other one was the baker. And in this time that they're together, while they're with him, um, under his care, they have two, each of them have a troubling dream. And Joseph sees their consternation and knows that God is the interpreter of dreams. So he talks to them and he says, I will give you the, interpreter of, the interpretation of this dream. He interprets the cupbearer's dream. And in it, he does this. It's good news for the cupbearer. And, and as he's sharing this, after the, Joseph interprets the cupbearer's dream, what Joseph does, he tells the cupbearer his story. And this is how it goes. But when all goes well with you, Remember me. See, after you are restored back to your position as your dream foretold, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. (laughs) And then he tells a story. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Now, you and I may have shared stories like this. Hey, I didn't deserve this, but we really knew we deserved it. You know, Joseph, he didn't deserve this. And in the face of unfortunate circumstances, he still chose to honor God. That the integrity was there. He didn't deserve to do this. And then he goes, I was forcibly carried off from the land of Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to be deserved putting in this dungeon. And so now hopeful, um, the dreams, uh, the baker shares his dream with Joseph. Joseph interprets that dream. Both dreams come true. Good news for the cupbearer, not so good news for the baker. The cupbearer is restored and to his position, but the baker's dream was not good news for him, and he was later killed, as his dream said. And then one of the most hopeless passages that I know of in scriptures is what we read next. The chief cupbearer. However, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Maybe you can reckon, maybe you can relate with this. You ever been forgotten? Someone ever make a promise to you? Say they'll do something, they don't remember to do it. Ever feel like you're overlooked? Ever feel like, oh, that, that opportunity should have been yours, and when it came to be yours, they forgot about you? And maybe even the promises they said? See, it's hopeless to be forgotten. It's not so hopeful to be overlooked. And whenever it's hopeless, this is when we stop thinking about the future of our story. 
Whenever we feel forgotten, it's hard to make the right choices in that moment and make even the right choice that honors God because we feel forgotten by others. And we even project, God, do you even care about me? See, it's hard to choose your effort in that moment. It's hard to choose your attitude when people seem to forget about you. And this is when we become careless. This is when we become unwise with our choices. And we become careless with our decisions when we feel nobody cares. And that ends up in regret. I mean, those are the choices that we know that we make that end up in regret. And regrets that are caused by choices that we make in these hopeless situations, they don't really make a great story. In fact, sometimes they turn into revenge stories. Now back to Joseph. Two more years, two additional years go by. Pharaoh has two disturbing dreams. Joseph is still in charge of all of the dungeon. And in this, nobody can interpret their dreams. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph is brought in the court. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And Joseph is now put in charge of all of Egypt to prepare for the famine that the dreams foretold would come. Timeline, 13 years now. 13. 15 years since Joseph was sold as a slave by his brothers. Yet one decision at a time, one day at a time, one choice at a time, Joseph chose to write the story and write his story regardless of what people thought about him, regardless of what people did to him, and regardless of how the circumstances were in his favor or not his favor. He decided to write his story. And this is what Pharaoh said about him. Pharaoh asked the people in the courtyard, can we find anyone like this man in whom this is the spirit of God? This is what others said about him. The most powerful man in the room said this. What an incredible story. I mean, how incredible of a story is this? See, Joseph chose to honor God in every choice and God honored Joseph. Joseph could be trusted with public power because God trusted him in the private. And in this famine, this famine happens and Joseph's family is out of food. And they come. Jacob sends his brothers to Egypt to go to the person in charge of all the food, not knowing and not recognizing that it's Joseph. They stand before Joseph. And here, Joseph could write where he was wrong. And everyone in the audience, everyone in the situation, every one of us reading it will go, yeah, well, he deserves to get his revenge. And this is where his story and his revenge story could have been justified. See, Joseph had the power to decide the fate of those who wronged him. However, Joseph decided to write a different story. Joseph sends them off with food and, and doesn't make them pay. And you can read how this story plays out. It's actually a fun story, how he creates a little bit of tension in the storyline there. And to make this story shorter, Joseph's brothers return to Egypt for more food. 
He calls his brothers into a private room to reveal himself to him. And here is where he could take revenge ultimately. Nobody would know. He could call on the Egyptian army to take revenge on his brothers and no one would have known. He could have covered up that story so well. But a different story would have been told. However, Joseph did something that created a story worth sharing. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence, and rightly so. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. Do you understand the courage that took for Joseph in that moment? Think about those who have wronged you, who have hurt you, that you would love the opportunity just to stand face to face with them, but ultimately to get them out of your face forever. In this moment, Joseph chose a different story. Come close to me. Who his enemies were, he said, come close to me. Because he decided that he was going to write a different story. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with me yourselves for selling me here. Wait a second, Joseph. You should be angry with us not us be angry with you and our, ourselves. He goes, do not be angry with, your, for, with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save the lives that God sent me ahead of you. 13 years, Joseph had no clue God's will. But in all of this, he chose to honor God. And at this moment, Oh, I understand. It all came together in that moment. Oh, God, if you would have shown me that earlier, it would have made this whole lot easier. But he didn't. And one decision at a time, Joseph, in the private space, made choices that had public implications, so public. that Did you know that Judah, one of the brothers that sold him into the slave, that he forgave and he has to come close? It was through the line of Judah that the Messiah and the Savior of all the world, Jesus, would come to become the Savior of the world. And it's because he chose to live a story that honors God. Joseph is included in the biggest story of all times, Jesus coming to save the world through his sacrificial death. Joseph's story reminds you and I, God's will for your and my life and it's this, is to honor him. See, here's the teaching big idea for today. It is God's will that you honor him with the story that each and every one of you live. It is God's will for you to honor God with your story that you live. This is God's will for you, that you honor him in every decision you make, in every action you take, with every thought you have. It is his will for you to honor him. You're wondering, God, what is your will for my life? He's telling you, it's my will that you honor me. Honor the love that I've shown you. Respond to the work that I've done for you through Jesus. Live your life in response to that love for you. Honor me. That's God's will. That's God's will. It's God's will that you do this. So how do we do this? We need to decide something and we need to recognize something. 
First, we need to decide, and you need to decide just like Joseph did. You need to choose some things. You need to choose that you will honor God in every decision that creates your story. Will you decide to honor God in every decision that creates your story? Every choice you make becomes a permanent part of the story that you live and the story that you tell and the story that's told about you. So honor God with every decision in your story and then recognize something. Recognize that you cannot choose what happens to you. Those things are outside your control. You can only decide how you will respond with your effort and your attitude. And will your attitude be one that honors God? And will your effort, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the workload is, no matter what the opportunity is, will you honor him in how you do it? Will you honor him in this? This affects every choice that you make. And it's a commitment to do something. It's a commitment to choose something. It's a commitment that I will choose to honor God in what I think, in what I say, in what I do. This is the commitment that we will choose to honor God in everything we think because each choice you make becomes a permanent part of the story that becomes your legacy that you leave behind. And so every in every decision, in every decision you make, will you ask yourself a question that puts your legacy in the forefront of your mind? Will you ask yourself this question? What story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? In those moments where you are under the pressure to do something or cover up something or do something that you think nobody else may know, what story do you want to tell? And is this a story that will honor God? Is that thought something that will honor God that will lead you to say something that will honor God? And will you do something that will honor him? This is the story worth sharing. This is the story that we can choose to want to tell. And this will not just impact the story, excuse me, the story that you tell. This will impact the story that is told about you. After all, it's your story. You can choose what story you tell by choosing to honor God in every decision that you make that writes the story you live. And if your story up to this point has been one that you might say, it's I have some regrets, you can change that story today. And right now, you can begin from this moment on to make a choice that everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do, you will live a story that honors God because this is God's will for your life. And when you follow God's will from this moment on, you will have no regrets. Our prayer partners are gonna be available to pray with anyone today, and I wanna pray with you right now. Father, we're so grateful that you show your love for us. And we're so grateful that you give us the power through Christ to honor you, to live a life that honors you, to transform the way we think so we can think in a way that honors you. And so we can change the things that we say so the things we say honor you, the things we do honor you. And Father, when we have these choices, may we have the courage to do what is honoring to you. 
May we choose what is honoring to you. And may that be the story we choose to tell. It may not control our circumstances the way that we want to go. And we may be in unfortunate circumstances. But as we do this, we know that the thing that we have control over is how we respond to those circumstances. And we are going to pre-decide now that we're going to honor you with the story that we live. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, do not miss next week because we're going to answer a question I think many people ask. What do I do 